because if you haven't been here, they've been doing the wave for weeks now, but it means more, guys. I feel the love. But my name is Kirsten Warden. Like they said, I co-pastor our youth here with my husband, Samuel. And I just want to first say, like, we have the best job on the planet. Like, I'm going to take a little time. I get a free plug because... I'm the youth pastor and I'm up here. But we have the best job on the planet. Let me put your heart at ease. If you're nervous about what the next generation looks like, what's happening in the world, I'm just gonna take that load off you. God is moving in our young people. God is truly moving in our young people. And we are honored, truthfully guys, ooh, I'm not gonna cry, but we are honored that we get to do this with you. So if you know a sixth through 12th grader, if you have one, bring them to Rev. If you know of one, just casually know of one, bring them to Rev. If you see one walking on the sidewalk, I'm kidding. I'm not going to tell you to kidnap anybody, but <laughs> either way, they should be coming to Rev. There's community, there's life there. So I encourage you to do that. But if you came to the first Fresh Fire Sunday, you heard my husband speak, personal favorite speaker. I know I'm a little biased, but, and you saw a picture of my cute, tiny little family. I've got Cadence, who's five, Everly, who's two, and Judah, who's almost five months old. But I'm going to zoom out on that picture this morning. And this is my entire family. My mom's actually here this morning. Yes, love it. I'm one of seven. I have an eighth bonus brother through mentoring. He's not officially adopted, but he grew up with us. Um, and we're at a beautiful stage of family where we're just at a constant state of multiplying. We were a big family uh, years before, but every single time we get together, there's just like more babies and more, more husbands. And at some point, there will be wives because I have two younger brothers, but we're just at a constant state of multiplying. It's great. We love it. I joke. I don't have that same grace on my life to have seven kids, but I love to be a part of it. Um, but honestly, my parents are amazing. They have been in ministry for 35 years, and I'm just going to pause really quick because you're here. Thank you for your yes. 35 years ago, I'm here today because you said yes. And even in it, yes, let's give it up. Even an encouragement for the moms out there, like your yes matters, the dads out there, your yes matters. You have no idea what you're saying yes to when you do. But um, yeah, 35 years is awesome. Um, but I have a, a shocking secret for you on this Sunday morning. Are we ready for a shocking secret? Does anybody want me to spill some tea? You guys know what I'm saying. I can say that during a second because they get that. Um, but I have a secret about pastors this morning. I know I should have got permission before I shared this little secret, but it's something that every pastor anywhere has in common. Okay, you ready? I f I'm building up anticipation. Do you feel the anticipation in the room? Any pastor anywhere ever has one thing in common. They're human. <laughs> I know. We're shocked. They're human. I'm human. You're human. And you know what that means? That means sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we are convinced we heard God's voice and we swing and we miss. There are other times in our life where we definitely heard God's voice and we don't say anything at all. And I'm going to share one of those stories today. Exciting. Who loves a good fail reel? Anyone? Me all the time. But my message today is called, you have my yes. Say that with me. You have my yes. And some of you are probably like, what did I just say yes to? I'll explain. I believe that there is an encounter for every person here in the auditorium today and watching online for uh, an invitation to partnership with the Father. So let's pray and we're going to jump in. Jesus, we just thank you for every person who woke up this morning and already gave their yes. We honor that they're here in the room today. And Lord, we're asking that your spirit would come and would begin to speak to us. 
God, we lay down the things that weigh us down, the things that we feel like disqualify us this morning, and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are two things I knew growing up that I loved. I loved Jesus my whole life. Again, pastor's kid raised in the church, loved Jesus. I realize now that that was a testimony before I kind of felt like nothing really happened. But I've loved Jesus my whole life, and I've loved the game of basketball. I remember as a little fourth grader in an outdoor gym in Roberts, Illinois. Anyone in Roberts, Illinois know where that is? Okay, very few. Um, and I said... I'm going to give my life to this sport. I know, kind of an intense fourth grader. But I was like, all in my free time, I give to this sport. And at one point, guys, I really thought I'd go to the Olympics. I really did. Uh, The only problem is my heart and my height just never quite, we just never grew much past fourth grade. Um, But I loved the game of basketball. um, And I played all throughout high school. And then into college, I wanted to find a school that would let me love those two things really well. I wanted to love Jesus and go to a school that pursued the kingdom, but I also wanted to win some basketball games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want one or the other. And it led me to a program in Oklahoma. They were nine-time national champions. And it was a very unique program. The coach was extremely pastoral. um, And we would have these moments in the upper room. And before you think we were that spiritual, which we kind of were, the upper room was just simply like above the gym, okay? So it was just like upper to the gym, but but it was called the upper room. And sometimes we'd just go over plays in there, normal collegiate basketball stuff. Other times we would have these deep prayer encounters. Um, And the story that I'm sharing today was during one of those times. So everybody's laid out on the ground, totally getting wrecked totally getting wrecked from God. And I feel the father's voice. Now, this wasn't like an audible, like someone yelling in my ears. This was an internal thought that was not my own. And I hear the father say like, Kirsten, would you begin to sing this song? And would you start with a chorus? And you know, like I like singing, but didn't feel like the time or place, right? We're in practice surgeries. People are late. I just didn't feel like now's the time to sing a chorus. So in my Bible school student, I, I humbly declined the request. I said, no, I'm good. Thank you. Just We'll keep doing what we're doing. And again, I feel the father go, hey, Kirsten, would you begin to sing that song? Would you start with the chorus? And again, I decline the request. No, I'm good. This time, a little bit more sure of myself. And to my surprise, he asked me again. He says, Kirsten, would you please begin to sing? And at this point, I'm irritated. Okay, I'm human, right? We all got this. I'm human. I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. And before I could even get that full thought out of my head, my roommate at the time starts singing that exact same song at that exact same chorus. And I feel the voice of God like a father, super tender, but also is a very sobering moment. He said, Kirsten, I wanted to use you, but I'm always going to use the willing. Those words have shaped me. Kirsten, I wanted to use you, but I'm always going to use the willing. And what he's saying is, I'm going to invite you into partnership but you have a choice to say yes. And I'm always gonna use the one who says yes. So that's where we kind of find ourselves today. I went on this journey with the Lord after that moment where all I could do was read about Moses because Moses has this beautiful story of tension between like, I wanna say yes to the plans you have on my life, but I also don't know if I fully trust that I'm the right person. 
I mean, I felt that in that moment. I, I trust you, God. I hear you. Don't get me wrong. I hear you, but I don't know if I'm the right person. And we see this in Moses' life. And when I talk about Moses, maybe some of you have heard this story before. Maybe sometimes you think, when you think of Moses, you think of this guy, right? 1956, Charleston Heston and the Ten Commandments. Maybe this is your guy. Maybe this is your Moses. Now, maybe you're more like me. And when I think of Moses, I think more like 1998, Prince of Egypt, Moses, right? Thank you. Thank you, my people. This is my Moses. Now I get we have multiple generations in the room, so maybe neither of these guys. You don't know any of these guys. But like, this is your Moses. This is your guy. Veggie Tales, classic. An absolute classic. But if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Exodus 3 today. So go ahead and flip, scroll, whatever you got, go there. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. So Israel is God's chosen people. And we pick up in the story where actually Carolyn left off last week. And if you did not hear Carolyn's message, Fresh Faith, go listen to it. It was so good. But it says in Exodus, Exodus? I like it. It's like a mix. It's like New Testament and Old Testament. Exodus. Um, it says that in verse, in verse 1 that this new king, so the king that knew Joseph died, and there's a new king, and it says that he did not know Joseph, a.k.a. the favor that was on the Israelite people no longer was there. It has lifted, and all he sees is an army. All he sees is a threat. So he decides that he's going to put the Israelite people... Um, into slavery. And he's going to put a decree out that all baby boys must be killed. Now, a mother has a child at this time. It's a little boy and she's able to hide him for three months. And when she's no longer able to hide him, which I totally understand because I have a four month old and the thought of like hiding him for a long time would be very difficult because he's starting to like, you know, just randomly yell. Um, But she's able to hide him. And at this point, she's like, okay, I can no longer hide him. She makes a basket. She puts him in the Nile River. She sends the baby floating. And I could just feel the mother's heart right here, like, just, Lord, please protect my baby. And the baby floats all the way to Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's, man, this word's hard this morning. Pharaoh, 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 thank you, Pharaoh's palace. And the princess picks the baby up and she names him Moses, which just means drawn out of the water. Um, and he ra- he's raised in the palace. He's living his palace life. He, then one day he walks out and he sees an Egyptian man hitting an, another Hebrew man. And he's just had enough. And out of anger, he kills this Egyptian man. And then out of fear for his life, he takes off and he hides. He ends up getting married, um, which I feel like he should have like wrote a chapter about like dating in the desert, like how it's done. I don't know. It just feels right. Um, but he doesn't, which it's okay. Um, but instead, he, he begins to tend his father and lost sheep for 40 years. And in Exodus 2, it says that God has seen all the problems and the suffering of the Israelites, and he has heard their cries to be rescued. Now, I don't know about you, but these are some problems. Being born at a time where your people were enslaved for 400 years is a problem. Being born during a time, being a male, and all the males are being killed is a problem. Then killing somebody, and then again, running and fleeing for your own life is another problem. He has these problems stacking up. And I don't know about you, but in my short life experience, I'm a mom of three small children, and I know something about problems just stacking up. I joke that my season of my life is just like little fires everywhere, right? Like I'm like tending and like constantly trying to put out fires. But Moses finds himself in a problem. This is like Moses has 99 problems, but a plan ain't one kind of moment. 
And this is where we pick up in Exodus 3, 1 through 8. It says, Now Moses was keeping his flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. The Hebrew word suggests there with keeping, this means that it was something that was habitual. It was his everyday J-O-B. This is something that he did absolutely every single day. And at his everyday job, doing his everyday thing, he sees yet again another problem. It's a bush burning in a very dry desert. He sees the problem, and this is what happens in verse 3. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is is not burned. And when the Lord saw, he turned aside to see. God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And I love this because it says that Moses turned aside. That simply means he was not looking, and now he's looking. He was not paying attention, but now he's paying attention. And that's when the voice of God began to speak. That's when he began to call out Moses, Moses. And when he called out Moses, Moses, he wasn't just saying, hey, I know your name, which is important. He knows your name. If you don't know that, he knows your name. But not only does he know your name, saying Moses, Moses means just like she named him pulled out of the river, Moses, he's saying, hey, I know your past too. I'm still calling you with your past. Another message, another time. But It said he turned aside and he spoke. And then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen your affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I think some of us today just need to know that he sees it. He sees it. He sees those countless hours of being faithful at your job. And not only does he see it, I mean, he hears it. He hears the cries that you're crying out. I don't know what problem you walked in today with. I don't know what solution you need God's divine solution in today. But I can tell you that he sees you. He hears you. He knows you. If you're crying out to be a mother or father, he sees it. He knows it. And not only does he see and know it, he wants to rescue you. He wants to come in with the solution. Verse eight, and we're at verse eight now. And it says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a land good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm sure at this point, like Moses is pleased, right? God, you hear the pain. You see the suffering. You know what I've gone through. You can see it all and you're gonna fix it. I love this for you, God. Like, this is great. Thank you. But then verse 10 is the curveball. He says in verse 10, Now go, for I am sending you. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Verse 10, we see that God's divine problem-solving solution is partnership. It's partnership with us. Where we feel like, well, God saw the problem. God's going to fix the problem, right? He's inviting us into partnership. And I love this back and forth we're about to read because it again makes me feel so human because I can totally relate. 
Moses protests and he says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me. They'll say like, what's his name though? Like, I love this. Cause it's just like a little bit of random. Like his, his back and forth is like, I mean, they might not believe that like, what, what should I say your name is? And God then encourages him and says that I'm the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will go with you. And he's like, okay, that's, that's great. Um, but no one's going to believe me. And in uh, Exodus 4, 2, it says, then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? And Moses said, a shepherd's staff. And God instructs him to throw the staff down. Staff turns into a snake. Then he doesn't even wait for Moses' reply at this point. He just keeps going because he knows this back and forth thing that Moses is about to do. He says, put your hand in your coat. Hand comes out and there's disease. Put your hand back and then it's, it's clean. And then he said, if they don't believe those two signs that I'm giving you, go to the Nile River, get some water, pour it out. Then there's blood on the ground. And, and Moses still, after these signs, he's, he just he just doesn't feel like he's the guy. How many of us just feel like sometimes we're not the guy, we're not the girl for the, for the thing that God's calling us to? I can totally relate. But I love this about God because when he invites Moses to this problem-solving partnership, he's saying, I'm gonna back you with my power. When he sends you into your workplace, no matter where you work, no matter where you live, when he sends you into those places, he's saying, I'm not gonna let you go alone. And if we continue to read the story, he goes back and forth. And at one point he says, please, Lord, send anyone else. I don't know about you, but I feel that. Please, Lord, anyone else. And, and God's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equip you for your journey. Because when we journey with the Lord, when we say yes to God in his divine partnership, he's saying, you're not going alone. I'm going with you. I'm going to back you with my power. And this is the promise that we get, to, we get to see today. If we continue to read the story, which I encourage you to do, he says, like, I don't even speak well, Lord. And God's like, I know, I made your mouth. I'll, I'll send people alongside you. He ends up sending his brother who ends up speaking. But we see this back and forth tension. And I love this story. I love it because we don't actually ever see Moses's, we'll call it an unashamed yes. We don't ever see him go, you're right. I'm the man for the job. Everything you've placed inside of me, I will now go and do. But he gives more of a hesitant yes. He says, okay, well, I guess if you're saying that I could go, he does it. And you can read the rest of the story. I encourage you to do that. But if we just leave this as one of those stories we've heard a thousand times or one of the movies we love to watch, we're going to miss the invitation to partnership this morning. I don't know what thing in your life you're crying out for. I don't know what area of your life feels like it needs a solution. But I want to encourage you that there is probably an invitation waiting. There's an invitation to partner in your every single day, in your work life, at your home. And the invitation is to turn aside. You were not looking at it. Now you're looking at it. And when you look at it, then the voice of God begins to speak. We believe that God is always speaking. Now, did me singing in a basketball practice change the world? No. It might not even change the moment, truthfully. But what I missed was the partnership that God was leading me on. And what's so good about God is he doesn't hold that over my head. He doesn't go, okay, well, you didn't say yes here, so now I'm gonna use your 
I'm going to use your roommate for the rest of the time. He continually invites us into this place. And the other day I was out for a run and I like running because it's time away. I'm by myself. Again, I have small kids. This is my time. I'm listening to a podcast. And when I talked about like loving our job and loving this generation, I truthfully mean it. I'm listening to this podcast where they're talking about the miracles they've witnessed. And I honor that. And I'm thankful for the people who went before us. And, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry to see it again. And I'm hungry to see it in this generation. And I'm not just talking about the young people. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's all of us combined. And at this time, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm inspired, but I'm, I want it. I want it. And I just hear the voice of God much like I did in college. And he said, would you kneel right now and say yes, right now? And I'm outside of a high school on a main road. I don't know about you, but I'm not necessarily like, hey, look at me, I'm dying on a run. Like I, did, like, I didn't feel like it. But immediately I dropped to my knees. And I know some of you are gonna be nervous because I will not crease my Air Force. So I just wanna clarify. <laughs> I can feel it, I can feel it. Only in second, I didn't feel it in first, but, but I said yes. Actually, before I said yes, I tied my shoe. I tied my shoe because I thought it was like sort of a yes. Like I, it was like kind of a yes. It was like a hesitant yes. I'm like, if I just tie my shoe, is that the same thing as getting down and saying yes? And like, you asked me to get on my knees, here I am. I, and I felt the father again say, mm-mm, an unashamed yes. So I put my shoe away and I said, yes, God, do it in this generation. God, do it, do it now. Do it here, right in front of a high school. God, you have my yes. And I don't tell you that story to be like, ooh, look at me. I listened because, again, I'm human. I missed it. I missed it. But sometimes missing it gives you that fire that you need to say yes to the next invitation. Sometimes you just need to say yes. So I wonder what our workplaces would look like if we took time out of our everyday habitual things that we do and we said yes. We turned aside. We turn aside. I worked at Target when I was in college, and every once in a while, I'm, you know, here, present, and I, and I would begin to hear the voice of God, like, hey, would you pray over their food? They're not feeling good. It was little invitations, right? I didn't stop what I was doing. I was like, hello, I'm your cashier. I would like to pray for you. You're not feeling good. Sometimes it might look like that, but God has actually wired you. Just like he said to Moses, he goes, like, I, I made your mouth. I, I know. I know what you struggle with. I know what you need. In the same way he's wired you and he's gonna invite you into these places. And I believe our workplaces will look different when we begin to turn aside to the voice of God. I believe our families will look different when we turn aside to the voice of God. And I feel like there is an invitation today. It's an invitation to an unashamed yes. It's an invitation to say, you know, I, I have a list of reasons, God, why I should not, why you could choose anybody else I have a list of reasons why I feel like I'm lacking in whatever area God is calling you to. And God wants to respond with an overwhelmingly, I will go with you. You don't have to do a single thing alone. You don't have to do a single thing alone. He wants to come with us. He wants to partner alongside of us. So today we're going to go into worship and I believe that we're going to have that moment where we can again take another risky step again say yes to the father and whatever he's calling us to and I encourage you it might look different for all of us 
You might work at a hospital and hearing the voice of God might look a little different. You might be a school teacher and hearing the voice of God, it might look a little different, but I encourage you wherever he's leading you, wherever he's asking you to take a step out and say yes to partnership, say yes. And an unashamed yes. The kind of yes that for Moses, if we continue to read the story, his yes, and it was a hesitant yes, but it set an entire nation free. Spoiler alert. I mean, you can read it, but I think we kind of know. His yes led an entire people group out of slavery. What will your yes do? You might not know. You might not know. I, I mentioned my, my parents, they, they didn't come from a Christian family, but they said yes 35 years ago. And they changed the trajectory of our whole entire family's life because of their yes. You don't know what your yes, what the backside of your yes looks like. But I encourage you today to step out wherever you're at. Yeah, so Lord, as we go into worship, we just thank you that you are speaking. You are a speaking God and we lean in, we turn aside. We begin to look and hear your voice in our life, in our family, wherever you're calling us. God, you have our yes. Thank you for spending time with us today. You can find more content like this at vineyardlive.us. There you'll find conferences, training, and worship. You can check it out at vineyardlive.us.